Hello, friends, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, a.k.a. MDV, and I'm joined today on the show by Patrick Cummings. Patrick is the founder of Functional Branding and Passion Gym, both projects aimed at helping gym owners and coaches create more intentional brands in the fitness space. He's also the co-host of the wildly popular podcast, Chasing Excellence, along with Ben Bergeron, and the Consistency Project, along with E.C. Sinkowski. Now, Patrick found CrossFit way back in 2006, and from the jump, took a very unique and creative perspective on the space. So no matter if you're a coach, an athlete, or a gym owner, this conversation will get you fired up to be more intentional, more passionate, and prouder of the work that you do in fitness. And if you're looking to get fired up on a daily basis, please go onto your Instagram and give me a follow at MDV underscore FIT. I'm doing my best every single day to bring you the most engaging coaching and fitness content as possible. And if you're interested in learning more about our coaching philosophy, what we do for coaching development, our programming, our session plans, our development plan for coaches over the long term, please give us a look at the NC Fit Collective. If you're a coach or a gym owner, that's a fantastic place to go to learn more about NC Fit's philosophy on coaching development, what we're doing in programming. We really do an amazing job there and 365 days a year, we are trying to deliver value. Now, without further delay, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from Patrick Cummings. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the intro. Your host, MDV here. I'm very excited today to sit down and chat with somebody who I met very early on in my CrossFit journey, somebody who, you know, within the first few days of moving to Boston back in 2009, uh, became fast friends with, and not only fast friends, but fast colleagues. And um, mm. yeah, we worked together at the young startup company, again, Faster Equipment for a couple of years, uh, and somebody who has been an OG in the Northeast CrossFit community for many, many <laughs> years, Patrick Cummings. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. And, um, you know, there's so much I wanted to put into the intro there to, to introduce <laughs> guests to you because I didn't even scratch the surface of the things that you've done or the things that you've accomplished in the, in the time that you've been around CrossFit. So not only are you a serious CrossFit OG dating back pre-2009, but you're the co-host of Chasing Excellence along with Ben Bergeron, a very wildly mm -hmm. popular podcast, the co-host of the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski, another wildly popular podcast. You're the founder of Functional Branding, a very creative space within the a creative and unique space within the CrossFit community. And uh, recently, the uh, mastermind and the creator of Passion Gym, a, a product mm -hmm. underneath the Functional Branding brand. So I'm excited to chat with you today, Patrick, and uh, see where this conversation leads us. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you having me and you're right. We, it's, it's been a while since we connected, but we first came across each other many, many moons ago uh, when we were both kind of stumbling our way into trying to figure out how to make health, fitness, a, uh, something more than a passing interest, something more than uh, a fad in our lives. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk to you. You're one of the few folks who I was thinking about this before. Uh, obviously, you and I work have worked with lots of people over the years uh, in the space, within the space, in different places, and not a lot of people are still doing are are still in the space from when we started in six, seven, eight, nine. Still right? punching it out, yeah, yeah. Like it's really interesting to me. Some people just kind of get pulled away, and some people kind of like you know chase different things, and some people are just like this wasn't for me or whatever. But it's it's rare to. to 
know somebody who was around in the early days of CrossFit and still having some success, having success within the space, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times, whatever reason, like I've got a buddy who he was early at again, faster with us, Jewel, he was at CrossFit for a while. And like, and he's at, he works at Amazon now, right? He was, he was a programmer. He got pulled away. Right. So I just think of him as a, as a, as an example, cause he loved being in the space. Like he loved the work, but at some point it just was like, yeah, there's, there's, it's, there's more opportunity elsewhere. And yeah. so I just love talking to folks. Like I think about you and Hobart to a degree and lots of, lots of people, but like, it's, it's a small club who are, who started then and are still trying to figure out like, no, I, this isn't, this isn't a fad for me. This isn't something that's just like, oh, I did that when I was young, but now that I'm a grown up, I have to go get a real <laughs> job. Right. And so I just, I love folks who have figured out yourself included, obviously how to make it real, how to make it something that isn't, uh, oh, I'm going to do this until I have to go get a real job. Yeah. We've definitely been slugging that for a long time. And the, the really interesting part to me is, um, you know, we both, came into this and uh, did did the CrossFit uh, prescription as practitioners. Like we were both doing CrossFit workouts early on, yep. but we approached the, I don't want to say the economy behind CrossFit, but we approached how we were going to uh, maybe parlay our skills against CrossFit yep. in very different ways. So I obviously came at this from a, a coaching and, uh, you know, ad, class administration and coaching development ba- uh, backdrop, but tell the people how, how did you get into CrossFit and bring such a unique perspective early on? Because you were one of the original content creators yeah. within the space, probably one of the first people I knew who was really committed to creating and distributing high quality content. How did that all get yeah. started? Yeah. I mean, um, I won't go all the way back cause it's way too long a story, but it, it started, I, I was very lucky in high school to have a high school uh, video and media kind of program there. Um, uh, pretty rare. Uh, we, you know, it was, it was 1997, 98, 99. So like this was before internet stuff. This was before cheap cameras. It was before, uh, easy editing online and all that stuff. But I, but I was lucky. I was kind of stumbled into something that was really interesting to me. And so I, I came to that with an interest in creativity an interest in writing an interesting, an, an interest in making things. And so, that just followed me through. So I started in high school. I went to college to first study journalism, uh, started there, ended up falling in love with screenwriting. So I, so I studied screenwriting. I went to grad school for video and media. And then uh, this will come as a surprise to, to nobody who got a liberal arts degree, but I, I left school without any actual tangible skills that I could get a job in. And so the only thing that I could, and again, this is more of a story than is worth telling, but after, after college, I, I lived at home for a little while and that was a terrible idea. And, and, but the, but the only thing I was able to do to get out of my parents' house, my literally my parents' basement was to lean on, I'd, I'd had a job in undergrad working at a credit union. So I was a bank teller. And so my dad had, an, a, connect, had a connection at a bank. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll go get a job as a bank teller. Cause it was like, I just need to fucking get out of the basement. Do something. Um, and yeah. so I did that. Uh, and we can talk about the, the serendipity of things if, if you'd like, but through that, I ended up meeting, uh, someone who, you know, well, John Gilson, who started again faster. 
he and I started at the same bank, different, different bank branches, but we started at the bank at the same time. And by virtue of starting at the same time, we met each other at a, I kid you not, a sexual harassment training session. Like an orientation type of- <laughs> Exactly. So we, quite, we literally would randomly sat next to each other. And uh, it, it <laughs> it's funny to think about now, but because you know, John, and anybody out there knows John, like we, so we had this, you know, whatever, three hour sexual harassment training. And we were lucky enough to sit next to each other. And the whole time we were just crack jokes about everything that we were doing. <laughs> and, but John being John, like I left being like, either John likes me or he thinks I'm a complete idiot because the sense of humor is such that like, I don't know if he was making fun of me that whole time or if we were <laughs> laughing together. But long story short is we became really good buds. Uh, we ended up getting an apartment together uh, roughly around that time. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, again, John being John, he's very, he was, is very entrepreneurial. He started this idea of again, faster. He kind of stumbled into CrossFit founded, I think through the, uh, like men's health had a like 10 hardest workouts in the world thing. Um, and I distinctly remember him sending me an email. I was at the bank. He was like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go try to do this workout. It was probably like the 300 workout or something like that. Yeah. He's like, Hey, I'm going to go try this, this, uh, this workout at the gym later. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like, Nope, no, thank you. Uh, and so he went and kind of fell in love with CrossFit, got hooked, um, and, uh, I didn't at the start, I eventually, I, he eventually did drag me into it. I remember doing thrusters at the, the local Glo- uh, Globo gym next to Fenway park. Um, and so we kind of slowly stumbled into CrossFit, stumbled into a love of CrossFit. There was, there was, we were lucky, a, uh, CrossFit Boston, one of the yeah. few CrossFits at the time. Um, very, it was Neil it was like Thompson, very right? Exactly, Neil yeah. running it? Yep. He was, it was, it was first when John was doing it, it was out of like a corner of a yoga studio. Eventually they kind of grow, they grew and they were able to get their own space. Anyways, long story short, John uh, started falling in love with it, started a blog called again, faster to to kind of explore uh, some of the things he was learning, right? It was some of the things he was reading from, from Glassman, some of his own experiences. And through that, the blog started picking up a little bit of attention because there were four people doing CrossFit and John was the <laughs> one person writing a blog about it. Right. And so, uh, he got some attention there. Do you remember um, what, joking. sorry to interrupt Pat, do you remember yeah. what year about this was when you guys met and then like the first CrossFit workout went down and the blog launched? It was, if I had to guess, it was probably 2005 yeah, this into is- 2006, because at some point in, at again, fast, we started. Uh, talking about how we were established in 2006. So I imagine 2005 was when we were kind of stumbling into what CrossFit was and maybe where, where we could kind of sink our teeth into it. Um, and then 2006 is probably when we started taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, so John started the blog, got some attention um, f- primarily or exclusively from the CrossFit forums, uh, which I, I know you remember. Um, and then he was, and then, and this is kind of where the equipment stuff starts. And I, I swear, I think I will get to your actual question. Um, <laughs> but we were doing, uh, the gym wasn't open on Sundays. And so we wanted to work out on Sundays. And so we would go to, go to a little park nearby. We'd invite anybody from the gym who wanted to do it. We'd steal some, some um, dumbbells from the gym, throw them in the back of the car. And we'd be like, Hey, we're going to be here. It's, you know, nine o'clock on Sunday morning. Anybody wants to come do a workout. And so we did that for a while. And one of the things we were, we were, uh, really lacking or that, that we wish we had was a pull-up bar. And so John being John was like, well, I can figure that out. And so we went to home Depot and he ended up b- building out the first kind of the prototype of the portable pull-up bars. What the we ended suspended up pull-up bar, right? Exactly. The, yeah, I remember a couple this. cam straps. Yeah. It was basically like a gym, like what you would use for gymnastics rooms, but, uh, like a, like a metal pipe instead of the rings themselves. And so we'd strap that over a couple tree branches and we would be able to do pull-ups and that was awesome. And so we took some pictures, we shot some really 
gosh, it's actually, it's probably still on crossfit.com somewhere. If you could find it, we shot a really silly little uh, video with bad stock music and um, to, to just let people know, like we had it and like, Hey, if you guys want to pay us 85 bucks, we'll make one for you. Mm. Um, and it probably was like $75 a part in parts. And we would, we would, um, we would build them, you know, for, for, for folks who wanted it. And I remember we, you know, that was the beginning of again, faster equipment. We were like, Oh, cool. We can make this thing. And I remember we would sit on the floor of the uh, apartment with all this random stuff from Home Depot. And we'd put on uh, DVDs for folks who remember what DVDs are. And we'd watch, we'd go through like the entire uh, series of 24 and we just build portable pull-up bars on the, on the floor. And we'd go to, we'd go to the, you know, the, the post office with like this truckload of, of portable pull-up bars and put them out in the world. And that was the beginnings of, uh, of again, faster. And so what ended up happening again, a long story too long is I was going to film school while we did this with thoughts of like, maybe I'd go out to, to LA, try my hand at screenwriting, try my hand at filmmaking. Um, and John had this, John had this recognition. It's like, I want to do this thing. I want to make this a thing. I can handle the business stuff, but I need somebody to help me with the creative stuff, the video stuff, the website, the writing, all this stuff. Not that John can't do some of that stuff, but, and so he and I kind of partnered uh, and, and lent our strengths uh, to the project. Um, and so I was, um, I, I was at grad school, finished grad school. I was waiting tables uh, to make some money while I was in grad school. And on the side of that, I would help him with some customer service. We would make videos for folks uh, who remember we did the mic'd instructor, which was kind of like the oh, first yeah. straight to camera movement instruction within CrossFit. And at the same time, as you mentioned, CrossFit HQ had a couple of folks making videos. They had um, uh, Savan and Carrie. Uh, were kind of the two primary and Tony budding were kind of like they were, that was the media team. And Pat, and, and for folks who don't know, like Pat, uh, Pat Barber was also there working with Tony budding. So it was a very small team. And most of it was based in Santa Cruz. Most of it was based in, in just the stuff that they, that they were doing at kind of the, the, the then CrossFit HQ. And so they needed more people making more videos. They just recognized as one of the, one of the great things or one of the big strengths that CrossFit had early on is they recognized the power of video and especially the power of video at a time when like now it seems obvious, but they, they were doing it at a time before YouTube. And so they had to self host all their videos, which again, sounds silly, but back then, like that was a big deal. That was a big Huge deal, deal to, to invest in the infrastructure and the, the data and all the things necessary. And again, for folks who are back there remembering, like when they hosted a video, you have to download the video to watch it. You have to yeah, download no, the video to watch it. Nobody was consuming um, content like they, like they no. were now at the time that you guys were starting yeah. to create. There was no vehicles for it. Nothing no, existed. It wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It was expensive. Uh, it was specialized. The gear was expensive. The hosting was expensive. The distribution was expensive. And so again, one of the things that I, it was, and maybe it was Greg, maybe it was Tony, maybe it was uh, uh, Castro, who, I don't know exactly how they came to this realization, but they realized really early the power of owning that media, creating, distributing, owning that media. And so what we did at Again Fast, we realized like, we could help you with that. Like, I've got this guy over here. He went to film school. We, we invested. I remember, I remember the conversation, like, can we spend this again faster early days of again faster? Can we spend the thousand bucks for me to buy a, it was probably more than that actually to buy a, a camera and a computer to edit on. Like, and John was like, yeah, this is, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And so basically what we did was like, Hey, CrossFit, you can pay us, pay us, 
to again, faster. And, um, Patrick will come fly around. It was a lot of level one seminars. I went to probably 50 level one seminars in those first couple of years. Um, and just shooting as much content as possible, just shooting, 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 making as much stuff as we, as we could. Um, and we used it as we didn't make any money off it. We used it as marketing. Yeah. Um, cause we put our little splash banner on the front, you know, and people got to know again, faster through the videos. Cause they saw that logo 10, 15 times a month. Um, and that's how we started to build again faster. We would do the equipment stuff, uh, and we would kind of lead with the media stuff. That was certainly where I first, uh, heard about and saw again faster, whether it was through yeah. a mic instructor video or it was through a, uh, CrossFit level one clip, uh, or highlight yeah. video, uh, in which I saw the, um, the again, faster logo as the, the card or whatever in the yeah. front of the back of the video. It's so yeah. interesting that, you know, this origin story, I didn't know. I knew that John had worked at the bank very early on, the founder of Again Faster, John Gilson. Um, but I didn't know that you had met him during orientation yeah. of, you know, you know, first day of I'm going to get out of my parents' basement and be a bank teller for a little <laughs> bit here to make some money. That's yeah. really interesting, Patrick. And, you know, the other thing is that uh, it, at the time, we're, we're talking about probably 2005, six, seven, Rogue Fitness really isn't a huge deal at this point. You know, I think yeah. Bill Henniger, maybe if uh, Rogue was around, it was a couple of rings that he was fabricating in his garage at the time, or maybe even just the brand was a twinkle in his eye because yeah. again, Faster and Rogue uh, kind of were moving at a either similar pace or again, Faster had a little bit of a head start in terms of getting into the market first. But then things kind of snowballed for Rogue in a way yeah. that was, uh, you know, extremely special soon after 2009, 2010. Tell me um, a little bit about what those early days, you know, of creating were like for you and how has that influenced what you do now through functional branding and, you know, how you view the space and, and what opportunities exist to make a mark and be creative within uh, CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the early days, like I, I think the, the one thing that I would say about the early days, thinking back about thinking back to then is, you know, I'd said, I, 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 you know, I studied screenwriting. I did some filmmaking in undergrad. I went to, I went to grad school, but the thing that I, I think about now the most, I think as I, when I reflect back on that is how completely, um, what's the word, how much we didn't know about what we were doing, <laughs> how much we were just winging it, how much we oh were responding to like that kind of work. Let's, let's see if that, because the thing that everybody needs to recognize is that we were two guys, we were in our mid twenties right now, like you and I, like we are, we are so fortunate to be able to do what we're doing because of the time that we exist in, because of the technologies, because of the culture, because the, um, because of where CrossFit or that kind of space has grown. Like it, there's opportunities now, but in 2005, 2006, even seven into eight, nothing, we, there was nothing. And we were, we were flying blind right before yeah. that. If you wanted to start a business, what did you do? You went to business school, you got an MBA, you got a job at a, at a fortune 500. And like, and if you ever wanted to start a business, like, okay, good luck with that. You need millions and millions and millions of dollars of investment. And you need to all of these things. And, and here we were in 20, you know, 20, uh, 05, 06, like, the internet was starting to, to become something, right? I remember, I, I distinctly remember 
building our first website on Squarespace. I've now built probably a hundred websites on Squarespace, but the ability to sit down and not have to code a website from like, from scratch, right. From yeah. figuring out like HTML and CSS and all these, cause I remember I tried to learn that shit and it's hard. And then Squarespace coming, and I was like, Nope, it's kind of like just drag it and drop it there and make that. And it's yeah, a template. Quick. Right. <laughs> and I remember the power that that allowed us to have mm. to be able to build a, a website on again, faster and make it e-com and plug it into some payment processor. And like, and like, it's again, now in the work that I do now, like, that's like, Oh yeah. Like I get to do what I do now because everybody's like, Oh yeah, I could start a business. I could start a side hustle. I could go start a gym. I could become a coach. I could do virtual programming. Like now it's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to do. Like I just need an Instagram and a website and I need to plug into Stripe or PayPal, right. Or Venmo. But again, back then, like we were just winging it. We were just hoping we'd figure this thing out. And John's a smart dude. And he's, he was ahead of the curve on a lot of things, but, yeah. and, and I'm relatively intelligent as it, when it comes to the, the media stuff. So like we can figure some of this stuff out, but we were just figuring it out. Yeah. We were just trying to, we were just trying to stay a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of what's possible and what we were capable of. And so I think about that a lot now um, because that- it's really easy to think that like, it's really easy to think that it's easy to do because it looks easy now, but it's, it, you know, it, it's not easy. <laughs> it was, it was really hard back then. And now it's just hard. <laughs> right. And so that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind when, when I, when I start thinking about, you know, what was it like back then? It was, it was this wonderful place of like really hard and we didn't know any better. And so we were just having fun. We were just trying. We were just so excited to have this opportunity. We were so excited about what we were learning. We were so excited to be able to travel the world and on, in John's case, coach people and, and build a business. In my case, just fucking getting out and shooting stuff and meeting cool people. Um, that to me was like, how did I, how did that happen? How, like, I remember, I distinctly remember I went to Australia with uh, Jeff Tucker who, again, for folks who have been around for a while, recognize Jeff Tucker, CrossFit Gymnastics. I was really lucky. I think this was the first time I went to Australia for work. Um, he was doing some seminars. He was like, hey, Patrick, you want to come? Because he knew, because we had run into each other a bunch. Um, I was like, yeah, of course. So we went to Australia for two weeks. And I remember that was the moment. That was the time that my mom was like, oh, wait, you like, this is real? Like, you're actually like you, you're working. I was like, yeah, what do you think I've been doing for the last couple of years? But until then, like nobody, nobody did that. Yeah. Nobody was like, no, no, I'm not going to go get a job. I'm going to, I literally, I'm going to sit in my living room at a table across from John as he tried to figure out how to sell a kettlebell for, you know, $6 less than somebody else. And I was just going to try to help some, like, I was just going to try to make videos of people, you know, exercising. And somehow that made sense to us. Yeah. Didn't make sense to anybody else for the (laughs) longest time. My parents, they're probably still the case. Like they, they couldn't figure out like when people asked like, Oh, what's Patrick up to these? They had no idea how to explain it. I was going to say, well, kudos to your mom, because, uh, you know, that's probably back in 2007, 2008, which she goes, oh, wow, this is actually real. I don't think my parents have still figured out <laughs> what I do is actually real. I don't I, I still think they struggle with understanding what I do. Um, yeah. You know, Patrick, what I was going to say there, man, is that, um, you know, back back in those early days, not only were the tools non-existent like that, that that's a huge hurdle to have to get over. But you're also you know, in your mid twenties, you're also trying to figure out life. You're trying to make money and you're trying to scrap and pull all these things together to form a business, which I obviously right now in the 
climate that we live in and all the tools that exist and technology, how it's evolved, it's much easier to do that. That's a, that's a big burden, you know, to, to hold and to, um, to be able to kind of say, you know, we were having fun within it and we were just doing it because we loved it and, and we were being creative about it, I think is a really cool reflection because, um, you know, at times back in the day, I, I, you know, I struggled a whole lot with trying to figure out like, where is this going? What are we doing? Yeah. How, how are we getting there? Um, but, you know, thank you for sharing all that. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit about how, you know, you were one, you were an individual who always looked at the space in such a creative way. And, you know, like you had mentioned very early on, there's not many people who are creating content to support what we were doing. Mm-hmm. How has that evolved for you into what you do right now with functional branding and describe to me, you know, what, what are the problems that you are trying to solve within the, the fitness space and, and what's your approach to that? Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, so functional branding, I'll just give a, a quick kind of context to it. So functional branding started in, I should know that 2017 ish. Mm. Um, and again, as everything is, it's a, it's a slightly longer story. I'll give you the short version. Ben, uh, Ben Bergeron, who you mentioned, uh, we have a podcast together, chasing excellence. We've been doing that since 2015 at some point in like 2016, 17, we tried to take, um, a, a lot of what Ben was doing on the affiliate side, the coaching side, he, he was doing the seminars, which I know you worked with him. So, you know, these things, um, but he was doing the seminar and we had, we had created, uh, this idea of the, the affiliate immersion, the CFNE immersion, which is when, um, obviously pandemic notwithstanding, I, I hope they pick it back up. I don't totally know, but we would, uh, we would have six to eight affiliate owners and coaches come to CrossFit New England for two, two and a half days and really get kind of a deep dive behind the scenes. Look at here's how we operate these things. Here's, here's the things that you don't see if you were to just come in and watch a couple classes. Right. And so we had, we had had, we had begun, and that's actually where the podcast started. We were like, we need an, an avenue to start talking about some of these ideas to get some attention to them, to, to get people to know that they're here. And so Ben and I, we, we, took, we, we looked at that and we said, you know, there might be an opportunity here to really uh, build something off of that, right? The, the seminar was one thing. He did it every cu- couple of times a year. The immersion was happening once a month, but like there was no real connective tissue behind it. There was no brand there. There was no real intent. We were just like, this works. Cool. Let's do that. That could work. Look cool. Let's do that. And so we tried to make, we tried to coalesce that around a brand and idea um, called Project Elevation. And we started that. We worked on it for about a year. And for, again, for reasons that uh, we don't need to fully get into, Ben decided at some point, like, ah, this is actually more than I can handle at this point, right? Comp train was growing. His athletes were, are there, the gym, et cetera, the podcast. He just had too many fires going. And this one, uh, Project Elevation was the newest and by virtue of it being the newest or by virtue of what it was, it was kind of the least quote unquote successful. It was the least, um, it had the least amount of potential to really move the needle for him in a way that makes sense for somebody like Ben. And so we, we cut it off um, and totally uh, honestly, like much to my chagrin, because uh, I was starting to kind of get my, my feet under me in terms of what oh, we were trying to accomplish. And so that happened. And then I was like, I kind of went, I was kind of floating for a little while. I didn't really know what I was going to do or what I wanted to do because I, I had come into working with Ben leaning on exclusively my video production background, right? Like I was just going to be a freelancer. I was just going to shoot stuff for, for brands and see where that went. And I did that for a little while. And I just wasn't that 
engaged with it. I wasn't that interested in it. I wasn't that passionate about it uh, for different reasons. Um, but what I really got interested in and passionate about was the idea of building something again. And that's what Project Elevation started to let me do, started to kind of remind me of, of the early days of Again Faster, of really like figuring out what this thing could be. And then when that sort of went away uh, relatively quickly, I kind of floated around for a couple months, really not knowing what the hell I was going to do with myself because I knew I didn't want to go back to being a, a video for hire type of person. Mm. Um, just, it didn't satisfy me. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to find it, the, the kind of success I wanted. And so what I did is after, again, this was a couple months and it, a hard couple months of, uh, of trying to figure these things out um, and feeling like, uh, feeling genuinely like, maybe this was the end of the road for me. Right. I started talking at the start of like, not a lot of people can figure out how to make this game yeah. a, a, a quote unquote career that I wouldn't use that, that word. Um, and I really thought like, okay, well, maybe I just came to the end of that road and like Ben and I can still do the podcast because he and I were still close. It wasn't the end of project elevation. Wasn't uh, hard on our relationship. I knew why he was doing it. It mm-hmm. was just like, it kind of left me in a place of looking around like, I don't know what, um, cause I had started, I really kind of put all my eggs in that basket. And this is about 10 years or so into the journey since you first met yeah. John. Yeah. Cause I left yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we, le- I left again faster in 2015, again, long story. Um, and so Ben and I started working together more closely over the next couple of years. He and I, I worked at, I kind of was the marketing person at CFNE, Comtrain, yep. Project Elevation, that kind of all came out of that. Um, and so I'd really put a lot of, if not all of my eggs into that basket. And then suddenly after two-ish years of that, there really wasn't anything there for me anymore. Um, and so again, I spent a couple of months kind of floundering, um, really wondering like, do I have to go get that job that I've been avoiding for so many years? Um, and what I realized or what I, what I kind of sunk my teeth into was the stuff we were doing at Project Elevation. It was very affiliate focused. It was very coach focused. And Ben was obviously bringing to that project a lot of the affiliate, the running of the affiliate, the coaching, all that, like all the, yes. all of his meat and the potatoes. Yep. And what I was bringing was the, not only like I was kind of doing the day to day, but I was bringing the, the marketing and the media and the brand thinking to that. Right. And so we were going to kind of combine forces in a way to, to try to offer affiliates kind of a, a more of a 360 uh, look at how to run or, or how to maybe better their affiliates. And so when I sat down, I was like, okay, I, when I, when I stubbornly was like, okay, I'm not getting a job. I'm going to figure out how to do this. I'm going to figure out how, what, how to make this thing work. What I ended up leaning on was this, was that branding side was the marketing side. And I said, okay, what can I do? Where, how can I transition what I was trying to do with project elevation, strip away the stuff that was going to be leaning on Ben and his experience and his insight and his intelligence. And just say, okay, what am I left with? And what I was left with was this idea of how can I help at, at that point in, in my thinking, how can I help affiliates first just understand what branding is, figure out how to do that better, figure out what marketing is, figure out how to do that better. And so I just dove into that. And um, I remember it was the CrossFit Games, gosh, this maybe it's three years ago now. Maybe it's two. I'm bad with times. But what, I remember were you in Madison we, or were you in California? Uh, I wasn't there, but I think it was, that's a really good question. I think it might've been Madison. I'm, I'll, have to, I'll have to rack my brain to think about this, but I remember sitting on the couch for that whole week because mm-hmm. I didn't have really anything else to do because project elevation had imploded and I didn't have anything else yet. And I remember just like, I had a notebook. I've got one similar to it just right in front of me. And I just started like writing down all the things that it could become that functional branding could become. 
Um, and what it became kind of V1, that first iteration was, uh, for a lack of a better term, looking back, I wouldn't really call it that now, but I put together a course. I put together like 19 questions that I, that I want every affiliate owner to ask themselves in some context, some information, some insight um, into how I would suggest they start answering those questions. Right. The idea being like, if you can answer these 19 questions, honestly, if you can go deep on them, if you can spend the time on them, what you come out of those questions with is a really good understanding of what the brand is that you're trying to build. Um, and so I put that together. It, again, it was, uh, it took me way too long. It took me six months, took me some, took me a long time. And in between there, I, I pieced together a, a, enough of a life that um, my wife didn't kick me out of the house though. She was <laughs> threatened to once or twice. Um, but eventually I got that out. And through that, when the really interesting thing and, and a lesson in building brands is that until you really get something out into the world, you don't really know what it is. Mm. Um, and I talk about that a lot with people I work with, right? We have this, this penchant for perfectionism when we start building something like it's got to be perfect and I can't share it until it's perfect. And not until then will I tell anybody that it exists. And the problem with that is that we end up so focused on it. We don't, we don't get any feedback and then we put it out in the world and then we get feedback and we realize like, Oh, yeah, people aren't paid, people don't like that thing, but they are, they do like this thing, which I didn't think was going to be a thing, but now maybe that's the thing. And so what happened again, just kind of stumbled into it. I put the course out and I, and I put on the website, like, if you want to work with me, I'll help you kind of work through these questions, right? I'll get on a couple of zoom calls. I'll, I'll kind of give you some advice and answer some questions. Um, and and I, fortunately, relatively quickly after I did this, uh, Greg, um, who runs a gym in, uh, he runs CrossFit MNC down in North Carolina. I think it's North Carolina. He was like, Hey, I'd love to work with you on this. And I was like, yeah, amazing. So that became like, that became something it mm. became what, what I thought was just going to be a course became a coaching service. And so like, again, Greg, uh, was the first man who's been like, you're really kind of like a brand coach. I was like, that's what I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that was a pivot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I knew that's exactly what I've been doing. Thank you for giving me because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of pivoted towards that. Okay. Now it's a, now it's a coaching service, right? It's a brand coaching mm. service. And what the hell does that mean? I don't know. Another, another kind of tip for, for, especially for coaches out there. And I love doing this for, for with or for folks, um, is creating a term that you can then define, right? Like I remember working with somebody on, he was a, he was a coach. He was a personal trainer. He was a kind of doing some virtual coaching and, um, but it wasn't just training, right? It was, it was some training, some nutrition, some sleep stuff, some mindset, some life stuff. And we came to this term that, that I loved. It was like, oh, you're a vitality coach. What's a vitality coach? Well, let me tell you all about it, right? The idea being like, if you can invent a term, you get to then define what that is as opposed to, oh, I'm, I'm a nutrition coach. Okay, well, I've, I've already talked to four of those, right? No, no, I'm a vitality coach. Oh, fuck, I don't know what that is. Please tell me what that is, right? That can be an unlock to have a conversation and the conversation can be what leads to the thing that you want to try to do, right? So I'm a brand coach. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you all about it because mm. I don't know what that is until, until, until you have a conversation about it. And so anyway, so that's what functional branding became for a couple of years. Um, and I'm super fortunate, really, really, really lucky that I kind of stumbled into something that worked. Um, and I've worked, so I work with uh, gym owners and coaches, entrepreneurs, um, mostly inside the, the health, fitness, um, uh, wellness spaces. And now you kind of mentioned at the start, uh, I've spent when the pandemic hit, I, I was actually really scared. I was like, I don't know if, if my people are going to be in a place where they can 
they can have the, the, the luxury really of having a brand coach. And so I really started to think about like, how can I take what I've been doing and turn it from something that takes six months of your time, of our time, and uh, you know, a couple thousand bucks, how can I trans translate that into something that if a gym is just trying to get through this thing, they could still access this information. They can still, they can still get some value out of this again, without the, the barrier to entries that are kind of necessary for me to do the work that I do. And so again, cause these things always take way longer than, uh, than I think they are, or that we think they are. It took me like a year to actually figure out how to do that. And I've just launched, uh, um, the passion gym, which is starting just the beginning, but it's starting to put together all of these ideas that I tend to work one-on-one with folks and then even evolving them further and expanding them and going even deeper on what it means to brand. And it's not, I think the first thing is it's not like what we think about when branding and you know, this but when people think about branding, they think like, oh, your logo and your colors and like, is it, is it sexy? And, and everything else is like, that's not, that's not branding. Whereas branding is really, um, the simplest way to think about branding is uh, your brand equals your reputation. And what affects your reputation? Gosh, darn everything, everything um, from your logo and your color scheme and your website and your social media, but also your product and your marketing and your customer service and your messaging and your communications and all of these things. And so when you recognize that branding is the totality of what you do, that opens up the, that opens up the floodgates as to figure out like, well, okay, how do I do that better? Mm. And so that's what, that's what I've been trying to do with functional branding. And that's what I'm trying to do in a slightly different way with the passion gym, trying to give folks uh, the tools and the resources and the connections and the insights and the questions to really brand on purpose holistically. I was going to ask you, and I think you already got there. What is the core philosophy, the core branding philosophy for functional branding and uh, passion gym? Um, I, yeah. you, you kind of, you, you hinted at it there towards the end branding is, is everything. It's everything that you do and everything you represent. It includes your logo and your colors, but that's not exclusively how you define brand. What questions are you helping affiliate owners and and coaches and people who are trying to figure out whether it's a brand that's associated with a product, a business or a service, or whether it's a personal brand, what kind of questions are you helping these people answer through your coaching, Patrick? Yeah. So I think the one, you know, the, the, there's a couple of really big questions and then there's, there's hundreds of sort of sub questions within it, but some of the really big questions that I think we all need to ask and answer honestly and deeply and continue to continue to revisit because these things do evolve is, and it's there, they're the obvious question, which is who's this thing for? Um, what do you, what is the change you're looking to instigate in those people? What are the problems you're looking to solve for them? How, how are you going to be different than the other options in the marketplace? Mm. Where are you going to position yourself as it, as it relates to the other options that those people who you said that I'm going to build this thing for, what other options, where, where do you sit in the, in the, the, the X, Y positioning chart as it relates to those, what is your flywheel, right? How are you build How do you build momentum? Um, what are, what are the projects? Uh, that you're going to tackle in the next 90 days? What are you going to tackle in the next 180 days? Where, what is the story you are telling 
with through and through this brand. And so what I did was I built it, I built out what I call the 10 components of branding. And so the 10 components of branding are those 10 big movers that if you can get them right, or at least if you can start to get them more right than you are now, my contention is that you will start to build a better brand, a stronger brand, a brand with intention, which is ultimately the thing that, uh, and, and it, it is all connected. When I think back at again faster, we built something without a lot of intention. Yeah. We built something because we loved it. And then we re- reacted to everything that happened to it as opposed to, because we didn't know any better. I sure shit didn't know any better. As opposed to sit, yeah, as opposed to sitting down and saying, what are we trying to accomplish here? What are our goals? Why this thing? Why us? Why now? Who is this for? How are we going to do it? What is the strategy we have in place to execute on those things? And so the 10 components, the whole passion gym, everything I'm trying to do with functional branding is just to help folks bring more intention to this part of building a business. One of the, one of the traps we fall into easily, I've done it, it's easy to do, is the the false belief that if I just get better at the thing that I'm doing, everything will get better, right? No. <laughs> In my experience, that is not the case. Yeah. Being a good, if we're talking to a gym owner, being a, be, having a good gym, having great coaches, having good programming, having an environment that's conducive to learning, having an environment that's conducive to just like being welcoming, man, that's just the barrier. That's just, that's just the door you have to walk in. That's the baseline. Yeah. That's the baseline, man. That's like, if that, if you're leaning on that, if you're relying on that, then you are, you are fooling yourself. Yeah. And so everything else that comes after that is brand to me, everything else that comes, comes into the, 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 the making of decisions of how do we do this? Yeah. We're CrossFit gym, but how do you make decisions? That to me is the, is a question of branding. That to me is the process of branding. And that's what I try to do with folks or through the 10 components of branding is walk people through those decisions, walk people through those questions so that they don't fall into the trap of, I'm just going to try to do this better. Yeah, no, that's really powerful, Patrick. And I'm I'm actually going to take it one step further and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but also you can't rely on solely saying that we are a great gym, like we just said with great coaches and mm-hmm. great workouts and great community because everybody fucking says that that is yeah. everybody in the CrossFit yeah. space, the boutique fitness space. If you went up yep. to any gym owner and you said, you have a great community, great workouts, great coaches, everybody's going to a hundred percent answer. Yes. So there's no differentiation in yep. that to anybody out there anymore. You know, and maybe at one point community was something that you could really lean on and latch onto but in, at least in my opinion, you have to dive deeper into that and be more definitive and more intentional about what that actually means. What are the characteristics of that that make it yeah. different from literally everybody else's community? You've mentioned this word intention. Yeah. Why is it so important for gym owners or people who are building brands to be intentional? Because it's really, really, really easy to wake up every single day and make decisions based almost entirely on emotion or how well you slept the night before, or if you've gotten enough vegetables in that day, or (laughs) somebody, somebody said something slightly bad on Instagram. And now I have to change everything I'm doing because I hate the feeling of being criticized. If you don't, if you aren't intentional and I don't say you, we, cause I've, again, I've, I've done it too, is 
we end up making decisions. We end up making random decisions day after day after day after day. And what happens is we don't notice it in a week. We don't notice it in a month. We might not even notice it in a couple months or in a quarter, but we, we get to six months, we get to a year down the, the road. We, we get to a couple of years if we're lucky enough to keep doing it in a couple of years. And we turn around and we have no idea how the hell we got here. We have no idea how all of this clutter exists within our brand. We have no idea how the people who are here got here, what they're supposed to be doing here, why they're here, why you hired them in the first place. And so intention is really hard. It, it's really hard in our lives. It's really hard, especially in our brands, because it's what is always the easiest thing to do is what feels comfortable to me right now. And let me make that decision. And that, that feels right. So, okay, cool. I'll do that. Wow. But the problem is, is, is time and doing that time and time and time and time again, and we end up somewhere else. And the, and the metaphor I like using that I kind of just stumbled into recently is there is a difference between walking and wandering in the micro. They both feel the same. They both look the same. I can't tell the difference between whether or not you're walking or wandering, but go down, but do either of those long enough and you're going to end up in two very different places. And so if you want to get somewhere, if you want to, if you want to, if you have a goal in mind, if you have an end point in mind, you can walk there and yeah, you might get a little bit lost, but you know, generally where that path is and you can get yourself back on that path. If you, if you don't know where you're going, you by virtue will be wandering and maybe you will get somewhere you are happy. Maybe you will stumble your way into a life, a brand, a business that you're like, yeah, this was awesome. I did it. Yeah. But chances are you will wander and you will spend too much time wandering. And the reality of things are you don't have that much time to make something like this work. You don't have that much time to make your gym work or your coaching business yeah. work or your, or your product work or your service work because it's expensive both literally and it's also expensive emotionally. Yeah. And most people can't stumble their way. I don't know how I did it. I stumbled my way into something over the course of, a, of quite a bit of time. And, and there was a period there where there wasn't a lot of stumbling where again, again, faster really got some traction, but I was able to stumble my way into something that got some traction. And then I fell out of that and I stumbled my way into something else that got traction. Can't totally tell you why that happened. But the, the reality is, is that most people can't give a year to a gym in the hopes that in a year from now, it's going to be successful. And so my contention is that intention is how you take 12 months and ramp it down into four months or five mm. months. And then at least you can figure out if you can make this thing work, because then you've, you've, you've um, allocated your energy, your attention, your resources very narrowly towards the thing you're trying to do. And you're not going to waste a lot of attention, right? It's like our movements, our movement patterns. We see somebody who moves wrong. What is, what are we seeing? Well, we're seeing wasted energy and they're not going to get as fit as they could if they could, they could rein in some of that energy, Inefficient. right? It's the same thing with our yeah. brands. When you waste energy on wandering, you just simply have less energy to, to, to allocate to the things that really do move uh, or that really can move you in the direction you're trying to get to. I, for anybody out there who is, a part of a brand who's building a brand who has a vision for something who wants to create something. I, I highly suggest you rewind the last five minutes of this podcast and just re-listen to everything that Patrick just led you through because it is so fucking important. You can wander your way into success. Of course you can. Dumb luck happens to people every now and again. Not everybody gets lucky. Some people get lucky. The problem with wandering your way into success is it's not repeatable. You don't know how you got there. You can never replicate it. 
So if even if people go to you and they look at you and they go, wow, you've been wildly successful. Tell me how you're going to be able to, you're going to sit there scratching your head, trying to figure out how you explain to this person, how you got there. And then the next thing you go to do, you're probably going to be thinking, oh, I'm going to be successful the same way I was successful this time. No, you won't. You, you probably won't get lucky twice like that. Maybe you will, but it runs out at some point. It's so important to be intentional. And I know that we're talking about intention in relation to brand and brand building, but it, this kind of pervades so much about not only uh, your career, but your life and, and the things mm -hmm. that you do and the things you want to achieve and the relationships you have and, and how you go about living your life. Super important. Thank you for sharing that, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, you know, when I think about the people in both in my life, but just like the, the people who I try to pay attention to one of the, um, actually I'll use this as an example. We just, Ben and I just, I think we just, I think it just released the week that you and I are talking. Uh, we just released an episode and it's an episode that it's a format that we call three by three, which is when I come up with quite literally three random topics and I, and Ben gives, uh, gives the audience, gives me kind of his three hot takes on each one of those topics. And so this, this episode that I'm, that I'm thinking about that we just did, it was like three small things that CrossFit New England does well, um, three ways to kind of strengthen your network and three ways to simplify your life, right? On the surface, completely unrelated things. You'd have no idea. You'd have no real connect, like no obvious connective tissue through those. And throughout the, the episode, Ben was kind of ch checking off as like, here are the three things for this, three things for that. And at the end of it, what I realized, cause I was just kind of jotting down notes was that every single one of them could be could be uh, tied to be more intentional, mm. be more intentional and you will create the small things that make your gym be more successful. You can be more intentional and you will create a stronger network. Right. And so, and I just asked him at the end of it, cause, cause like, it's partly just my trying to pay attention to these things and trying to find them myself. I think one of the things that Ben does really well and what I've, and you know, this and what I've watched over the years of, of the podcast and of just kind of like being a buddy of his is that he's one of the more intentional people who I've ever met. Um, and I think a lot of his success is as, is a result of being in, as intentional as possible in work, in uh, family, in, uh, relationships, all these things. And so, and when I think about some of the, the thought leaders who I pay particular attention to, I think about, uh, people like Seth Godin, I think about Ryan holiday. I think about Cal Newport. Um, uh, those are just kind of the first three and every single one of them to a T when you look at what they're doing, none of it seems random. Mm -hmm. None of it seems uncalculated. None of it seems reactionary to something else. All of it seems responsive. All of it seems intentional. All of it seems on purpose. All of it seems for lack of a better way to put it on brand. And how, like, to me, it's a central question. And one I'm still trying to figure out is where does that begin? Where do you start being more intentional? How do you become the kind of person who makes decisions on purpose mm. versus what many of us do most of the time is I make decisions based on whatever felt right in the moment of that, of that decision being needing to be made. And to me, that's the, mar that's the marker. That's the, that's the, the, um, the unlock is the more intentional you can be in everything the more likely, not, not guaranteed, right? Like there's no guarantees, but the more likely that we will get to where the hell we're trying to get to. And that to me is the difference between the people who get to where they're trying to get to and do so repeatedly. Think about Ryan Holiday. The dude writes like a book every week yeah. and they're all successful and they're all good. And I have no idea how he does it. 
and it's obnoxious to me that he does it, but sure as shit, he's not doing it on, he's not doing it by accident, mm. right? He's got a plan. Um, and, and, and so that to me is the, is the great unlock is how can I be more intentional about the things in my life that matter the most? Mm. And that's our health. That's our relationships. That's if we're lucky enough to be building a brand or a business, it's that, how do we, how do we figure out how to remove that, that emotion, that emotional voice in our head that always wants to default to the easy decision now and replace it with the voice in our head that says, no, I'm willing to suffer just a little bit today, right now, because if I do that, I'll get to a play. I'll get to where I'm trying to get to a little bit faster, a little bit more efficiently. Um, and, and I'm willing, I'm willing to be patient in that process. Mm. I think that's a really interesting question that you asked there, Patrick, you know, in particular, when you think about somebody who is very intentional and, or who has achieved a level of success that is uncommon, like, you know, let's talk about Ben Bergeron and you, we can also throw Ryan holiday, two very, two very different people, very different industries, both very intentional people, both extremely successful in a lot of different ways. It would be really difficult, maybe not as, maybe they have an answer that I don't know, but I, I would assume that it would be a little difficult for them to untangle. How did you become so intentional, right? Like, because they're at a place that is so evolved and, you know, they've, they've gotten to a certain level of success with, through many, many years, trials, tribulations, relationships, experiences. It, it probably is a extreme confluence of things that have brought yeah. them to this place. But if I'm, if you, if we kind of take all of that away and we just look at it in a vacuum and we just say, you know, the average gym owner out there, the average person who's involved in, in fitness, trying to make a career, how, what, would, what advice would you give to that person to be more intentional today? What, what's something that they tangibly can do today to be more intentional? Because I think that, you know, diving into how did Ben become intentional? I think that that is a fucking really interesting, it's almost like a case, <laughs> case study that you'd want to like go through this guy's life and like yeah. pull things apart. And, you know, uh, you know, when he was younger, he went and lived in Boulder, Colorado, and he was failing his, his way through things for a long time. And then, you know, yeah. all the way back to CrossFit New England. But what, what can a gym owner do today? One thing they can do today to be more intentional. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I would say that the, the one really tactical thing, and I'll, I'll give a little plug to the passion gym, but it doesn't have to be that, um, inside the passion gym, which is again, just, it's a, it's a membership. It's, it's kind of a toolkit. It's an ever evolving toolkit for, um, for folks, uh, looking to build brands, build stronger brands. But inside of there is what I, I, I put together a brand journal. Um, and that's where I would start. Not necessarily though, obviously I'd love everybody out there to, to check it out, but, journaling, I think is like, if I had to give like one tactical, do this thing today, the way we become more intentional is by reflecting on where we have been and we haven't been as intentional as we could have been. And journaling is just the way to do it. There's, we're not predisposed, especially if we're talking about uh, business owners or brand builders, like we're not predisposed to slow the hell down and, and stare out the window and ask some questions and give ourselves the space and time to actually answer those questions with some honesty. And so a journal, whether it's the brand journal inside the passion gym or just like a friggin' notebook, 
you, it, one of the things I really believe is that in order to go forward, we have to be able to go backwards. We have to be able to reflect back on what we've done, what's worked, what hasn't worked, where we're uncomfortable, where we're comfortable, where we're at our best, where our weaknesses are. We have to be able to mine that. We have to be able to explore that and exploit that. We've got to be able to slow down and, uh, and not let ourselves continually rush through every single day without any reflection back on, well, how did yesterday go? How did last week go? How did that meeting go? How did that class go? How did that last quarter go? What can I learn from what I've done, what I didn't do? What can I learn from where I was uncomfortable work? What can I learn from that so that next time that opportunity shows up, next time that conversation, next time that class, next time I have to make that decision, next time I've got a meeting with my team, I bring to that the recognition that I didn't do it as well as I wanted to last time and I can do it a little bit better this time. And that ultimately is what intention is. It's recognizing that right now in this moment, I have a choice right now in this moment, I could do it a little bit differently than maybe I would do it if I wasn't thinking a little bit more consciously of this thing. Maybe I will, I wouldn't, maybe I won't react as quickly. Maybe I won't react as emotionally. Maybe I won't react at all. (laughs) Whereas if I didn't go into that remembering, okay, the last time I had this conversation, I got a little bit of bad, I got a little bit of negative feedback and I stopped listening and I got really short with this person and it wasn't ultimately that useful and our relationship hasn't been as good since. Okay. I know that going in now, but I promise you, if you don't do that reflection, if you don't do that reflective work, if you don't do that journaling, if you don't ask those questions, you will do you, we do what we, you know, we, we, we continue to do what we've always done until we rewrite that pattern until we rewrite that habit or until we, um, rewire ourselves to recognize that there is a different way to do it. And so that brings with it, that's the intention part. And so if we can reflect back, we can build forward. Mm. And so that is what I would say. That's the beginning of being more intentional, the ability to go back so we can build forward. And so journaling is just, that's maybe the first thing I would do because it's got to look something like that. Again, if you can do it, if you can just go for a long walk and you can do that reflective work, awesome, more power to you. But if you're like me, you go for a walk, your brain doesn't sit on anything for more than a couple minutes, right? So maybe we need to do some meditation, maybe do some more mindfulness. But for me, I need to sit down. I need words. I need to slow myself down and turn everything off for 15 minutes, for yeah. 20 minutes. I need to make the space and give myself the opportunity to actually just focus on the one question. And again, the writing is helpful because it forces us to stay on the question. Whereas if we're just staring out a window, boom, 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 bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around. And all of a sudden you're thinking about dinner. How yeah. do, how, why am I thinking about dinner? I'm supposed to be frigging figuring out. Always why I food. That's right. Why, I was supposed to think about why I got in a fight with my wife yesterday, but now I'm thinking about dinner. How did that happen? Well, it's because you weren't focused enough, right? Mm. You didn't give yourself the opportunity Not intentional um, enough. to stay. Yeah. To, to stay on the path of thinking, thinking about this thing. Yeah. And so if you want, if we want to be more intentional, we've got to, we've got to create the space and the opportunity and the, the degree uh, to, or to a degree, the habit of being more reflective yeah. so that we can, uh, we can at the next opportunity respond in a way that will make us slightly more proud. And I think that's the key. That's the thing I've been thinking about a lot is being more intentional so that we can be more proud. That's what it is, right? That's what it's all about. I can look back and say, you know what? I could have eaten the cupcake. I didn't eat the cupcake. I'm, I'm really happy about that. 
I could have responded poorly to that comment. Didn't respond at all. I'm really proud of that. That's growth. That's what we're aiming for. And that's on the personal level. That's on our health. That's on our relationship. And that's sure shit on our brands. But yeah, no, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that a month ago uh, I made that decision. And now here, here we are. I've got this opportunity now. Again, you can stumble your way into these things. You can wander your way into an interesting brand. You can wander your way into a great relationship. But my contention and my, my uh, admittedly, my struggle and my, my aim is I would rather walk, even if walking is slower, even if walking is harder, than wander and hope I get to where I'm trying to get to. Oh, boy, man. That was, I was just sitting here enjoying listening <laughs> to that because um, I, I think I, I fundamentally agree with, uh, everything that you just said there, you know, and intention, like we've been talking about is not only important in helping to ensure the success of what's immediately in front of you, or whatever you are working on being intentional about, but also it, it'll shorten that gap between where you are now and the amount of errors that you might make over and over and over again, until you learn yeah. the lesson, right? You're taking yeah you know, just for shits and giggles, like let's pretend there's 10 errors that will happen between where you are now and where you want to be. If you are able to be intentional, maybe you cut that in half. Maybe you cut it down to one. Maybe you recognize that, oh, you know what? I was, I reflected on that last time and I made the same mistake again. I'm going to have to be more intentional. I'm going to reflect back on that again right now. And the next time that comes up, maybe you don't make that same mistake or, or maybe you yeah. have more discipline to make the choice that is uh, best for you at that point instead of continuing to make mistakes over and over and over again and not learning the lesson until you've bashed your head against the wall yeah. 10 times. Yeah. So important. important. Yeah. There's, there's, there's kind of an important sub lesson in there. That's, that's maybe more specific to branding or business though. I think it can extend out, uh, outward to everything else as well. And it's one that, um, um, that I kind of stumbled into recognizing or realizing about being more intentional, which is when something doesn't work, when you made those decisions on purpose, you can actually examine that decision with some amount of clarity. And it's not, it's, you know, cause we make, we make mistakes uh, by accident and we, and we make mistakes cause like, I think that this is the best strategy for us right now. And we're gonna try this, right? And sometimes, again, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. But if you make that intentional decision about a strategic decision and it doesn't work, right? You, you, you had some assumptions, those assumptions ultimately weren't right. They didn't pan out. You can look back and say, okay, we made that decision because of these two, two assumptions. Turns out that those, those didn't work. Cool. What does that teach us about the next time we can make this kind of decision, right? So it's not just the hard lessons, which you're absolutely right about. It's not just about like beating our heads against the same kinds of problems, which is a lesson worth learning, certainly. But it's also about where can we mine lessons out of the mistakes that we're making? Okay, we thought that this was going to work. It kind of did, but because of this and this, I don't think it quite worked as well as we hoped it was. Cool. Next time we have that decision, we're going to tweak this a little bit. And we're going to change that entirely. All right. Now we can try that again. Did that work? Did that not work? Right. And then it becomes an iterative process. It becomes an evolution and not a, again, as it relates to brands and building, it's not being like, let's throw that one up against the wall and see if it works. Right. It's not that it's, it's, no, we, we're going to tweak this strategy just a little bit because we feel like we learned enough about the thing we did last time. To th that we think that this is going to be a better approach this time. And we'll see, we'll see. And then we'll reflect back. We'll say, remember why we made that decision. Is it true? What assumptions did we make? What worked? What didn't work? Cool. Let's iterate on that for the next time. I think that's just really, really, really useful because you're not every single time 
hoping like hell that this is the thing that's going to work this time. Because <laughs> at least you can start to bring some, again, some intention to it because you've learned something. Very, very, very powerful stuff, Patrick Cummings. It has been a, a pleasure catching up with you this morning. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're a busy man. Patrick, I'd love to have you back on again in the future to continue our okay. conversation, maybe go back into the, the, the deep archives of the Again Faster history and pull forward yeah. some of our, our favorite videos and favorite moments. <laughs> um, that, might, yeah. that might be a not safe for work podcast, but we'll, we'll get it done somehow. Patrick, I love that, my friend. Where can my listeners find out more about who you are and what you do yeah. through functional branding and passion, Jim? Yeah, I would say two places. One, just find me on Instagram, PS Cummings. Um, I kind of link up to everything from there. And then functional branding is just functionalbranding.com and you'll get to the passion gym when you're there. Patrick, it's been a pleasure this morning. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you very much for being on the you show. Well, Thank you, my friend. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.